0: You're your tuning in. TBD. 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 Into TBD. 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 To, TB. to be discussed. To be discussed. To be discussed. To, be discuss. to be discussed. to be discussed. Welcome back to the podcast. It's your host, May Wu, and I have a very special guest here with me today. And if you can tell us your name, how old you are, what you do, where you're at.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is uh, Khalid Osman. Uh, I'm a PhD student at the University of Texas at Austin. Um, I'm studying, I'm getting my PhD in civil engineering um, with hopes to be a future professor. Um, I love being in Austin. It's a new city for me. I've been here for about three years, but still feels kind of new originally from Portland. Uh, We went to high school with May um, and we've been friends (laughs) since, so yeah, that's me.
0: Let's go Techman.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Although I think they're closing down Benson from what I hear, but they're always trying to close down Benson. It's
1: a never ending
0: cycle, right? (laughs) It is. Since you've been in school, I mean, since you're getting your PhD, how do you even like, I know you're working as well. So I feel like a lot of people think that when you're in school, you just can't save. Right,
1: right. I mean, I think that 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 can be the case. But I think saving in general, you can do it anytime, right? I mean, this is a conversation I have a lot is people will say, I only make $100 a month. And so I don't want to save any money. And what I say to that is, you know, saving starts with, saving is a habit, right? And so if you can learn how to save $8 out of every hundred, then you're saving money um, and you're learning how to save. And so um, for me as a student, uh, I am working at the same time. And being a PhD student is a little different. Uh, Most PhD students are uh, graduate research assistants. And so they get paid to actually um, be in school, um, at least Mm -hmm. um, in the field that I am in. Um, To they get paid to do research and you get I mean, it's not a hefty stipend, but it's it's a it's a small stipend for you to live on and it's enough for you to Live pay rent and at the end of the day still save some money and and have some uh, fun at two but I think saving really is is one of those things that's a habit and you have to prioritize it It has to be intentional, right? Uh, mm-hmm. and you have to create a budget. And so I don't know if that answered your question.
0: Yeah, def- well, yeah, definitely. And I guess to follow up with that is, like, when did you start saving?
1: So for me, it was, uh, I would say, April 2012. I was, like, uh, I just finished my freshman year of college, and it just hit me that, like, nobody in college is really wearing nice shoes, right? Everyone's wearing flip-flops, sweats, whatever it is. Um, And I used to have Mm -hmm. a shoe addiction. So I would spend any extra income that I have on buying shoes. Um, But then after I went to college and I realized that like shoes aren't my priority. And then I started just talking to the people around me and everyone was talking about saving money, um, going on trips, traveling, um, doing that sort of thing. And so I wanted to see how I could do that. And so I just, I wasn't making much money. I was working minimum wage at the time. um, And I was going to school too at the same time. And so I just started... Seeing if I could save some money, right? I'd put away a little bit every month and not spend it on shoes. And all of a sudden I had enough to go on a trip. And so I take my first trip and then I get addicted to traveling, right? And so now every time I want to travel, I, I sort of make that my goal. And so I set a goal for how much I want to save and I get to that point. But just starting that habit early, I think with small money, um, when later I started to make a little more money, I was able to keep saving a percentage of my income rather than focusing on the actual dollar figure, um, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And so I'm wondering, like, even, I guess, beyond then, um, just saving, like, can you give someone like maybe who is really new to saving, like some tips on like how much they should save and like, what does that mean to put money aside in like a bank account or um, whatever methods?
1: Right, right. No, definitely. So. I think everyone's uh, everyone has to assess their own circumstance, right? And so if if you're making a thousand dollars a month, thirty percent of that automatically goes to rent, and then a thousand dollars are being taxed to a twelve percent. So that's already forty-two percent gone, right? And that leaves mm-hmm. you with about fifty fifty-eight percent. Yeah, fifty-eight percent of your income is left for you, um, and so with that fifty-eight percent, you're going to have things like insurance and phone bill and blah blah blah. But when all of that is done and all of your necessities are out of the way, that money that you have left, that's where you get to decide what to do with it, right? It's not going towards a necessity. And so I, I would say assess your situation and, and to start off, just pick a percentage. Tell yourself, I'm going to save 10% every month and I'm going to put this 10% in a shoebox to start off, right? And when that shoebox gets uh, too small, I'm going to go up in a savings account. I'm going to put that 10% in a savings account. And regardless of what I make this month, if I'm able to pay off all my necessities and I have some money left, I'm going to put 10% away. Um, I think that's a great way to start. And then later when you uh, start your career, you start to think about things such as uh, making your money work for you, right? That's a common phrase that's always said. Um, And I think we're going to go into more details later um, about that. But looking at making your money work for you but it's all about delaying gratification and so what I mean by that is when you save money you're putting that money away to use for something later that might be better than what you would have spent it on today or tomorrow and so uh, when I say that put that ten percent away if you put it in a savings account um, that's one way to do it a shoebox is one way to do it you have uh, individual retirement accounts if you want to save money for retirement um, if you have specific goals, and like I want to buy a car, I want to buy a house, um, banks help you set up savings accounts to meet your target savings amount. and So you just work with the banker on that. Um, there, you can put your money into the stock market. That's an option. Um, but that one will require a little more uh, work uh, on your end. But at the end of the day, really saving money is, is the most important thing because you need to save money first before you can make your money work for you.
0: Yeah, that's a really great point. So I'm wondering, like, would you say that, okay, let's say somebody has just graduated college, landed their first job, and they're now getting, like, they're no longer getting uh, $100 a month or $1,000 a month. Maybe now they're making, like, a couple thousand dollars a month. And so what would you suggest for somebody who is, now making like a 50k salary and they're they have a lot more money not a lot more money but a more spendable amount of money their lifestyle can actually make some shifts or changes so what kind of suggestions would you give or someone would you say that just the savings in a bank account is the right route to go like how can they go beyond just like cushion money on their bank account
1: no definitely definitely that's a great question um, I'm gonna joke a little bit, but my first advice would be to live at home for at least two years. <laughs> <laughs> I think what happens is we we graduate college and we wanna be big kids so fast and so we go out and you know, like I said earlier, most people are spending thirty to forty percent of their income on rent. You know, that's just right off the top. Boom, it's gone. So if you're making 30 percent of that's fifteen to twenty thousand dollars a year, that's gone just to rent, right? Just so you can live somewhere. So If you have, and I know everyone's circumstances is different. So if you have the opportunity to live at home, um, put your pride aside, you know, take that time to just sort of save up as much as you can, right? Um, Mm -hmm. After that, I would say uh, most companies or organizations, uh, if you work for a private company, they're going to have what's called the 401k. Um, If you work for a nonprofit or a government organization, they call it a 403b. They're pretty much the same thing. The 401k has a little more administrative um administrative things that you have to go through or that they do on their end. And then the 403B has less because it's a uh, non-profit or governmental organization. Um, Whatever your company or organization is willing to match, always put that much away. What I mean by that is like most companies will start you off at like 3% matching. Um, And so I would say for your 401k and your retirement, at least put that 3% in there. Because if you put up to 3%, they'll match up to that 3%. Anything above that is up to you. But my suggestion for somebody making 50K a year, I would say, you know, anywhere from 3 to 5% in a retirement account is good. Um, because starting off right after college, you have a lot of expenses, student loans, um, getting your life started, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I would say put that 3% to 5% in your 401K, right? That's mm-hmm. one thing. Um, and the 401K, actually, it has a yearly limit. I believe it's about 19000 They raised it last year. Um, that you can put in there, and of course, you know, when you're making 50k, you're not going to put 19,000. But as your income starts to increase, you want to start thinking about maxing that out because it's all pre-tax income. So if your salary is 50,000, the money that you put in your 401k is pre is uh, the money is your gross income, not your net income. So um, the money that you make before taxes is what gets put in, and then afterwards, whatever's left is what they tax. And so sometimes, um, and this might be beneficial at the 50k rate, but what can happen is that it reduces your tax burden, right? It shows that you're making less money than you actually are, which may reduce your tax bracket. It's not always the case, but uh, my point there is for 401k or 403b, always do at least the matching that your organization does. And then above that is up to you. Um, and then in terms of just putting money away uh, for yourself, there's there's on top of the 401k and 403b, what are, you have individual retirement accounts, right? And individual retirement accounts for IRAs, those are managed by you. So the 401k is typically managed by your company. You still get to choose how you want to invest it, but it's managed by your company. But an IRA is managed by you. You are the the, the person who uh, manages that. And so there's two types. You have your traditional IRA, which would, you would do if you don't work for a company that offers a 401k. And then you have the Roth IRA. Um, mm-hmm. and your Roth IRA is actually post-tax income, so income that has already been taxed, you put it away, and after you turn, I think, 58 and a half, you can start withdrawing money from that account, and it's mm-hmm. not taxed because you've already paid tax on it, and so now it's not taxed, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the limit on that is actually 6000 a year, and so if you're making 50000 you don't have to do the full 6000 Um that's just the max that you can do, but putting something in your Roth IRA... I think, or establishing a Roth IRA and putting some money in, I think would be a good route to go. Um, And whatever percentage that is, I think is just dependent on how your finances look, right, and what your circumstances. But if you can maximize it and put that $6,000 a year in there, um, that's just money for you to use when you turn 58 and a half and pull out. Um, And I always encourage people to put that money away for retirement because the sooner that you do it, the more that it grows due to compounding, right? Um, Everybody talks about compounding, whether it's banks or um, retirement accounts or whatever everyone talks about compounding. And so the sooner you start compounding, the more you'll earn or the more your money will grow by the time that you're retirement age and you can maybe even retire early. Of course, all of these accounts, um, retirement accounts do have penalties if you withdraw early, Mm -hmm. unless for certain reasons. So like a Roth IRA, If you're, I think it has two two conditions. I think one is if you're putting a down payment on a house, you can withdraw some money without penalty. And then I forget what the second one is, but they, it's not suggested that you pull out money early from your retirement account. And they sort of set up those penalties to remind you of that delayed gratification to hold on. You don't need that money now. Try to live as if you don't make that money and it's not there. Um, just pretend it doesn't exist right
0: yeah and sorry can you go back to what compounding means it cut off a little bit so i was wondering if you can restate that
1: right right so compounding just means uh is but the way it is that your money every year so if you let's just think about compounding as like a snowball going down a mountain right Mm -hmm. and so it starts off as this small thing but as it picks up snow it grows really really fast and gets bigger really faster right and that's the compounding effect of money um when you put money into a retirement account the longer that it's in there, the bigger that it'll grow. Um, The shorter time that it has, the smaller it'll grow. So if you think about a snowball, if it starts at the top of the mountain, by the time it gets to the bottom, it'll be a huge snowball. But if you start at the middle of the mountain, and by the time it gets to the bottom, it won't be as big. Um, And that's due to the compounding, how much it picks up as it goes.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that is actually a great analogy. And Um, I do have a question about, uh, 401k, Roth 401k, like Mm -hmm. I was described as if you think you're going to make more money later on down the line, it's makes more sense for you to do a Roth 401k agree with, or, um, you have like a different suggestion.
1: Uh, so, so the Roth, uh, 401k, I think it's post-tax income. So if your income bracket, your tax income bracket now will be less than it is later, Mm -hmm. then yes, I do suggest that. But if your income bracket, and and most people will, right?
0: Because your money is going to grow. Yeah, unless you you have a different plan later on down the line.
1: Right, right, right. And and so that's right. Yeah, Uh, that is correct. I would agree with that.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And then... We were talking about, sorry, I'm just trying to reflect back on all the things that you have said, and you have, someone has already set up a 401k, they put some money in their Roth, they match their, uh, their 401k that their company offers. Um, what about if they're looking to set up their own IRA account? Where do you suggest that they start doing that?
1: So, uh, if you want to set up your own IRA or even if you want to set up your Roth, there's, uh, several, um, companies, um, that you can, or funds, I guess is what they call them that, that you can use. And they only take a small fee or percentage. Um, you know, I, I personally use Vanguard. Uh, I'm not here to promote any one <laughs> specific fund, but uh, I personally use Vanguard. Um, but there's Fidelity, there's Voya, um, and even banks have, um funds that they can set up for you for retirement so I think Bank of America has Merrill Lynch Mm -hmm. Um, so even the specific banks you can go in and just say I want to set up our individual retirement account and they can help you through that process but if you'd rather do it yourself I mean Vanguard Fidelity Boya um, those are some big names Um, and there are some other ones right now actually uh, there's an app that's targeting Millennials Um, it's called Betterment Mm -hmm. and and also Acorns is another one they're both uh, retirement accounts that are sort of trying to target millennials and acorn serves two purposes one is that you can just have it as a regular account where all it does is it takes your, your whatever you spend you connect it to your credit card and so whatever you spend say you spend a dollar and 55 cents it takes that 45 cents and rounds it up and invests that 45 cents for you and you get to choose how you want it invested whether you want it to be um, risky not moderate or not risky at all And not risky at all and so you get to choose and then it also has a a Retirement branch right where you can just throw some money in um, And that you're saving for retirement and you get to choose that same thing Do you want it to be a risky investment? Do you want it to be a moderate? Um, Or do you want it to be non risky and of course the risk high risk high reward low risk? um, moderate or moderate risk moderate reward low risk low reward um, at the end of the day, but if you just want something steady, you can go for a low or moderate risk. I usually tell people when they're young, don't be afraid to take some higher risks um, in terms of uh, investing your money but because you have time to recoup it. But the older you get, the less risky you want to go. Um, but we're not talking about investments yet. In terms of just retirement account, Acorns is one and then Betterment is the other one. And what they do is basically they take the work out of your hands. So you don't have to choose a fund. You really just all you choose is how risky you want your investments to be. Mm-hmm. And they do all the work for you, and they take a small percentage. I think it's like one percent or a tenth of a percent. It's a really, really small amount that they take. Um,
0: so, are they different they, than Acorn? As a sense of Acorn, also takes your change. Do you have like a reoccurring amount that you can put in, um, or they you can just put in a big lump sum?
1: Either way, uh, for Acorns, you can do a re, you can set it up for reoccurring. Um, you could set it up for. Where you just deposit a large amount and once a year, say you just want to make you know a two thousand dollar deposit into Acorns once a year, you can do that.
0: Is that and the same for also, betterment?
1: Yes, yes, uh, all of them are that way. Where you can set it up to where you have a reoccurring amount. You know, they say take this much for my check monthly, or you can say, uh, or take this much for bank my bankly, month month. or you can set it up to where you just deposit a large amount once a year or twice a year or whatever works for you. They're, they don't force you to put any money in there. Um, they're really set up for you to put what you can afford to put in there mm-hmm. and then uh, they help you invest it just for a small fee. With, and it takes the work out of your hand um, and they do all the work for you. They pick the stocks, they pick the funds. Um, you really just tell them how you want it invested, I guess.
0: Yeah, so I, would, I guess I would ask next, is this like something that you, accounts that you don't want to touch or do you think accessing these funds down the line is uh, like a smart move. So uh, when
1: I think about retirement, it's it's always funds that I I don't want to touch until I'm you know sixty or sixty five or one, when I can touch them and then there won't be a fee because anytime you pull money out of a retirement account early, you get taxed at the, your current rate um, because there you get taxed at whatever your current income rate is, and then you also pay a penalty fee. It's a dangerous game. I, I always like to think of retirement money as just. Money that you forget about, or money that you never had to begin with, mm-hmm. and then let it surprise you forty <laughs> years down the line. <laughs> so would you Trying say to save all this money?
0: So would you say that, like Acorn and Betterment, if you're doing this, you probably don't want to access the funds until way later on down the line.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would say that. I mean, you can look at the funds and see how your money is growing, mm-hmm. and you can go in and adjust, you know. Say, you know, you're a little older now and you want to go from being a high risk to moderate risk or you want to go from moderate to low risk. Um, You go in and you can change those settings at any time.
0: So it sounds like this is a lot of planning for like retirement. What about if you're planning to do some kind of like investing um, but you can have access to the funds with less of a penalty than your retirement funds?
1: Right, right, right. So before we talk about... Um, investing on the short... So those are long-term investments, right? Retirement is always long-term investments. Um, And what you're wanting to talk about now is short-term investments, right? Looking at um, investing in a company and then two or three years pulling out, using that money to buy a house or using that money to buy a car or whatever, which is also a great way to sort of diversify your money and uh, make your money work for you. Um, There are risks involved. And the the difference between long-term investments and short-term investments is um, how they're taxed. So um, say you you buy a share of Apple today. If you hold that share for at least a year, then it's taxed as a long-term capital gain, which is, I think, 15% right now. Don't quote me on that, but I believe it's about 15%. But say you uh, Apple has an amazing quarter and it spikes 30% and you want to sell right then at the high point because you need the money right away. Um, you can do that. It, there's no problem with it mm-hmm. um, You can take your profit and it'll just be taxed at your income rate because it's considered income at that point point. and so If you're in a higher income bracket, then all of a sudden you're paying a lot of taxes on them You might as well just wait for the capital gain
0: mm-hmm.
1: But sometimes, you know, ne- you never know with stocks whether it'll go back to that price for you to you know, take the 15% later that the 15% hit versus the 30 or 22 or 30% hit that you might have taken and so you just have to think about those things in terms of how your taxes are working. Mm-hmm. But uh, for investing in individual stocks or investing in index funds or um, trying to grow your money in the short term, I think it's a great idea. It's, it's always good to um, diversify your portfolio. But my, the number one rule with investing in the short term is always invest money you're willing to lose, right? And money that if you were to put that money into the market and it disappears tomorrow, it wouldn't hurt your livelihood, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and my other rule would be to to not look at it as a way to make fast money. Um, you you do see a lot of people out there on YouTube and um, even in the in, on Twitter and some of the chats talking about how they made. Ten thousand dollars overnight by investing uh, um, in a stock, or if you can think back to two years around this time, two years ago, everyone was trying to promote Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Bitcoin went from three thousand to eighteen thousand in a matter of I think three or six months, and everybody wanted in, um, and then it, it crashed back down and hasn't recovered to that eighteen thousand point since then, right? Um, and so, one, you know, make sure it's money that you're willing to lose, and two. Um, don't look at it as, as don't look at it as a get rich quick scheme. Um, you want to buy good companies with good financials um, who are going to have you know consistent good quarters, and you can always do that. I mean, almost every public company um, has stock that you can buy, and so I think I, I'm not here to promote any specific companies to buy. That's really for you to do your own research mm-hmm. and, and find what works for um, you. But a good friend of mine always tells me to put at least. You know, if you're say say you have five thousand dollars that you want to invest, mm-hmm. um, put at least fifty percent of that in a mutual fund, which is they're pretty much the same thing as a retirement account, except you can access that money right away. So a mutual fund, you it it's a di- it's diverse, you choose diversified portfolios based on your risk level, um, and they they invest the money for you. Again, they take a small amount, but you can access that money at any time. You can say, I want to sell it all now and take my profit. Without any penalties, all it happens that it all that happens is that it gets taxed, and so whenever you have some extra change that you want to invest, my suggestion would be to put at least fifty percent of it in a mutual fund because that'll be a little safer than buying individual stocks. And so Mm -hmm. mutual Mm -hmm. funds can be bought through the same thing as I Mm -hmm. mentioned earlier. The same people who do retirement accounts also do mutual funds. Banks, Vanguard, Vanguard, Voya. What's the other one? Uh, Fidelity, they all do mutual funds as
0: well. So 50% of your mutual fund and then whatever in the companies that you want to invest in. So I guess where would someone go and do this research and then what kind of platforms would they use to purchase these shares?
1: Right, right. And so actually, um, say, say you're interested in a company. Um, say I'm interested in Apple. I can literally uh, go on Google and I can put the cash sign Mm -hmm. And then I could put Apple and it'll show me everything their stock price for the last five years or it'll show me their stock price for the one. I think it shows one day, one week, one month, three months, one year and five years. Mm -hmm. And so you can see what the the stock has been doing for the last five years or you can see what it's been doing for the last three months. Um, You can see what it's been doing for the last week. And then you can also go on Yahoo Finance and it'll have all their financial information um, per quarter. How many... uh, what was their profit last quarter what was their revenue um uh how many phones did they, if you're looking at apple they usually report iphone sales but they stopped doing that uh how many macbooks did they sell how many ipads did they sell are they coming out with new products um and you can base your investment off of that um but every company is going to have different metrics that you can base your investment off of uh, but one thing that's good to look at is the stock price so if a stock price is hitting hitting its all time highs, it's probably not the best time to buy, right? The stocks is usually buy buy low, sell high,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so if a company just hit their all time high, and I'm not gonna say this is this is the case every time, but I would say a good percentage of the time that's not a good time to buy because a lot of people are gonna sell, um, driving the price down to a point where now you can get in, but. If it's a company that you believe in and that you think that their financials are great you can buy them at any time and just don't look at it for a year or two and see what the stock does uh, what the price does and so um i think it goes back to what i was saying earlier one you know you you got to be willing to lose it all Mm -hmm. um and be able to still live um and two just be smart about it and don't try to get rich quick be patient i think the name of the game is patience warren buffett always preaches preaches patience um stock price across the board is so driven by um headlines, news, uh whatever's going on in the world. You know, if uh, the president tweet, tweets something about lately the last few months it's been um the trade war with China. Mm-hmm. Every time a tweet comes out the stock price plummet. Um when another tweet comes out saying things are going well, the stock prices go up. And so um it's always good to watch the, the three big uh, indexes which are the S P five hundred um, the Dow Jones Industrial and the the NASDAQ. Those three can sort of most of the time tell you what the market is doing that day, um, whether it's up or down. Um, and so I preach, I would preach patience. Um, for buying stocks, all those same retirement fund <laughs> managers and banks, they also let you buy individual stocks um, and, and they help you create portfolios too. Um, but uh, right now, one of the game changers that a lot of younger people are using is Robinhood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an app in the in the app store. It's zero commission, zero fees. You can buy and sell stocks as much as you like, and they don't charge you for it. The I think the only downside to Robinhood is if you want to be a day trader, you have to have at least $25,000 in your investment account mm-hmm. before you can day trade. And day trading is basically buying and selling stocks by the day. Um, or by the hour, by the minute, mm-hmm. um, rather than buying a stock or buying a company and holding on to that stock until it, and letting it mature. They just do daily swings. Um, that's the biggest difference. But um, other than that, Robinhood is a pretty good platform. I think as your money grows, um, you want to look at going more traditional uh, through other avenues
0: mm-hmm.
1: because. Uh, I'm not sure how much Robinhood is insured up to, but you always want to look at how much it's insured up to and make sure you don't exceed that amount. Um, but I think for, for most young professionals who are just starting up, you know, they're not about to put a million dollars into the stock market right away. And so <laughs> Robinhood is a great platform. Yeah. yeah, and
0: I think they give you um, a stock or a Bitcoin when you first join. I don't know if they still do that, but I, I kept on hearing those advertisements.
1: Right, right. They do. And it's usually... Uh, you know they advertise like we'll give you an apple or this, but they end up usually giving you something that's worth about five or six dollars. Mm-hmm. So it will be like a, what is it, a Fitbit or a Groupon or something like that. Uh, but I mean, at the same time, that's that's your first stock. Now you own one share of Groupon or one share of Fitbit, and it's a great way to start and just to watch and learn. You know what the market is doing. Um, I do want to preface this by saying I'm not an expert. <laughs> <laughs> And so I'm just sharing what I know.
0: Um, I'm going to do this exact playbook that you're saying, Colleen. If I don't get rich by the time I'm 60, <laughs> I'm coming back.
1: <laughs> you, could, you could come back and, and get me. Uh, that would be all right. I think most of what I said is, is, uh, is, 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 uh, is general knowledge. But I think, you know, I'm happy that we're doing this podcast because for a lot of people, it's, it's a daunting experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, putting money away, having uncertainty yeah Um, and then you know not to get all political but for a lot of people that come from our communities like seeing past a certain age is not something that's common right so thinking about you know i'm saving for retirement to use it when i'm 65 Mm -hmm. my grandma didn't make the 65 my parents didn't make it to 65 so what why should i be saving for 65 i should be using that money now right yeah Uh, and so but I think as, as you know, our communities become more uh, knowledgeable, um, this is America is all about building wealth. Right. Um, and I think 50 Cent said this and I hate to quote him, but it, it was something about like anyone can get rich, but it's it, it's really about being wealthy. It's not about being rich. And what wealthy means is that your money is making money for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, being rich,
1: being rich is like having money. Being wealthy is your money making money for you. And and that's what a lot of these um, tools are for. Um, I do want to talk about savings accounts because I think before risking your money in in a stock market, I always try to encourage people to be safe with their money. Mm
0: -hmm. And one
1: safe bet is always a savings account. And so America way back in the day used to be you could put money in a bank and it will grow um, through compounding and um better interest rates it will grow significantly right and mm-hmm. now a lot of banks they only offer like half a percent and so you're not really making much money it's some money but it's not much they're not, not really paying.
0: incentivizing savings accounts anymore
1: e- exactly exactly um and so another one that i think now is out is ally banking it's an online savings account um and you can just go to ally.com and i think they offer yeah, so for your savings account, they give you 1.9% right now. And so it's much better than what a bank would give you. Um, you get to establish a savings account. You put money in there. Um, you try your best not to withdraw it. I mean, it's there for you in case of an emergency mm-hmm. and you have that money. It's not like a retirement account where you get a fee. But um, every year you get nearly 2% back on uh, whatever you invest in there. And so if you got $1,000 in there, you get a free $20, I think. Is it 20 or is it $20? Tw- yeah, mm-hmm. Um, uh, $10,000, it's a free $200. Uh, whatever you put in there, every year you get some money back, you know.
0: Um, yeah, and... which is better than a typical bank because I think I did not get like barely anything back on my bank and sometimes yeah. they charge you so <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i think a lot of banks now if you do more than like five transactions in a month of pulling out of cuz they they don't want to they want to incentivize you to save right mm-hmm. and so when you pull out i think a couple more than like three times or something a month yeah. they tend to charge you a fee for it and so typically depending on how much you have in the account the fee tends up ends up being more than they give you in terms of your interest rate <laughs>
0: Right, because I think it's like, ai can't remember, I think it's a $5 fee for most banks. Um, But it really depends on who your bank is. Of course, if you have like a credit union, I'm sure the the policies and the uh, charges are way better. Right,
1: uh, right. Put your money away for retirement, especially (laughs) if your company is matching it. There's no point in not doing that unless, Mm -hmm. you know, you assess your circumstances and you need the money and you can't put it away. Um, But even then, I think you should train yourself to live on less um like for me right now my my uh retirement contributions are automatically deducted from my paycheck every month Mm -hmm. and so i just go home realizing that this is how much i make Mm -hmm. like i don't even consider that that money has been taken out and that's been my mentality i think the next thing would be to establish a savings account um because you need to have an emergency fund right you can't just go and put all your money in the market or in uh in a property or whatever the investment is without having an emergency fund. Cause anything can happen at any point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then after that, I would say establishing a mutual fund, which you can consider almost the same thing as a savings account with a little more risk, but also maybe a little more reward, um, per year, uh, depending on how the market does. And then from there, I would, I would, um, look at individual stocks and buying, um, shares of companies. It's actually pretty cool when you, when you start buying shares of companies. If you, you have to have a certain amount of shares before you become a, a huge voter. But even having one share of a company makes you uh, a voter. You can vote on decisions in a company. Of course, they weight it based on how many shares you own, right? How, how much of the company that you own. And most companies have millions of shares. But it just kind of feels good getting an email saying, like, so-and-so company is having a vote on this change in their policies. We would like your vote. Um, it gives you that sense of ownership, right? You sort of own a part of that.
0: Um, and then there's that power of knowledge of knowing something's happening in that company.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we all have iPhones
0: in our pocket. Why not own a share of
1: Apple? We mm-hmm. all wear Nikes on our feet. Why not? You know, if we're supporting Nike. Why not own a little bit of uh, Nike?
0: Yeah. And this all makes sense because I've like, I recently saw that the largest generation in the workforce is millennials since 2016. So, Now we're all in the workforce, but like we may not all know what to do with that money. And then it says 62% of millennials are living paycheck to paycheck. So I think that getting started in savings and getting started in investments and shares is like really important. And so I guess my next question is you're joining the workforce and a company is offering you shares to their company or offering... I guess those are two different... um, like a a startup and a public company. So let's say uh, someone got landed a position at Google and they're talking about giving stocks to you. So someone coming in not knowing what that means, can you give them a little bit of a rundown of what it means to own stocks in a company like uh, a public company?
1: Right, right. Um, So uh, a lot of those companies, you're right, they do do compensation packages and Mm -hmm. so They'll give you a salary of X amount, and then on top of that salary, they'll give you shares of Google um, that's vested over a period of time. Typically, it's like most companies, it's a retention thing, so they want to make sure you're with them for at least three years,
0: mm-hmm. and so
1: they'll give you 10 shares this year, 20 the next, but really your full package is 50 shares of Google uh, or whatever company it is, but you don't get that typically f- until it's vested over a, uh, a couple of years, mm mm-hmm. So basically when you look at that compensation package um, for a company you look at your salary and then you you have all the other benefits and then you, they they say that they give you a certain amount of shares what that means is basically they're gifting you or a, as part of your salary or your compensation you now own shares of that company and instead of just giving you the money straight out they are saying that they want you to be part owner of that company or a shareholder of that company um, and they give you the shares instead and whatever the value of those shares are so say they give you uh, ten shares and the price of Google is a thousand um, so you just now got $10,000 but it's in Google stock rather than in cash mm-hmm. and sometimes that plays in your favor because that now they gave you ten shares at a thousand if three years from now those shares are worth ten thousand you just tripled your money right or not triple ten times your money um and so that, that's typically how that works but you okay. typically can't you t- for a public company i think most of the time they want you to be vested over here because you can't just come work for six months they give you 60 shares and then you, you leave so it's over yeah. vested over a period of time typically um but if you stay for your that full term that they wanted you for and so then those shares are yours to keep and you can throw them into your retirement account or you can just throw them into your, your individual account and do whatever you want with them cash them out and you know, go on a vacation, whatever.
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, that just sounds like a a great addition to your uh, compensation package. And actually, I heard from a friend that works at Google, now they give it to you up front, so you don't have to vest your shares, they actually give them to you all at once when you get hired on. So
1: I thought that was Right, (laughs) right. And then uh, another thing with with, um, getting the stocks instead uh, is sometimes the stocks are taxed a little less, right? Um, so, say you hold that for three years now you 're only getting tax fifteen percent on that compensation
0: mm-hmm.
1: rather than whatever your um, your tax rate would have been your effective tax rate would have been and so sometimes there's benefits to that, but if you look at almost every company CEO their reported salary is zero dollars they're just uh, they 're mostly compensated in stock and they sell the stock to make to to live off of. So I don't know, you can actually Google any CEO, especially a lot of those tech companies Mm -hmm. and their salaries will come up as $0. But of course they own, you know, 3 million or 4 million or 50 million shares of their companies. And then they'll just just sell, you know, a thousand shares Mm -hmm. and that'll amount to whatever dollars and that's what they'll live off of for the year.
0: Let's say there's a ton of startups out there and now it's kind of like flooding the market and someone gets a job at a startup and they're saying that this is part of, hey, we can't pay you the market rate for this, uh, for this job. Um, would you consider taking uh, shares in the company? So what is your kind of, like, suggestion on how they navigate that? Some companies kind of let you navigate, like, how much do you, they give you, like... Uh, this is the salary you can get and get zero shares, or you can lower your salary and get more shares in the company. Uh, Different companies will do different things, but what are your kind of thoughts on when companies give someone that option? I mean, I I think that's a
1: hard decision because it really depends if you believe in that company. So say, say you, while the company is still private and they give you a certain amount of shares, if that company goes and later, Um, IPOs or becomes a public company your shares if the company is a good company Of course your shares are gonna be worth a ton of money because you are an early technically an early investor in the company
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm an early shareholder Um, And so you typically end up making a lot of money. I think a lot of the stories that we've been seeing online is uh, Beyonce had a stake in uber before they went public when it went public. She cashed out It was like a significant amount of money Mm -hmm. Um, Kobe Bryant before Actually, uh, Body Armor didn't go public, but they were bought out by Coca-Cola, which is a public company. Um, and he was initial investor, um, initial shareholder. When it sold, he made a ton of money off of it. Um, so, if you believe in the company, then it might be beneficial for you. But if you know a lot, a lot of startups and, and a part of entrepreneurship is failing. And so, say that startup ends up failing then your shares are worthless at that point right mm-hmm. and so it's, it's another one of those things that you have to ask yourself like one do i believe in this company and do i think it's gonna you know be a market disruptor and and make some real money and and go out and become a, a public company in the future or large enough um to where my shares will actually be worth something or you know should i just take the salary because i want to do this for one or two years and get some experience and i don't see this company ever being big yeah that, I, I think that's how i would think about that decision
0: yeah definitely and i would say like most companies you get fully vested after four years and so right. you also have to think about like do you think the company is going to last for four years and are you going to stay there for four years as well so if you're not going to stay there for four years you may not get all of your stocks
1: right that is definitely true
0: yeah so. Yeah,
1: there's a lot to consider. I mean, that's a that's a tricky situation. I mean, you know, typically for for somebody that's young, you know, 20, 21, graduating college, working at a start startup, you know, loving who you work with, loving the ideas, loving everything that they do. Yeah, I mean, it tends to be like, to worth it to you, right? You're making a decent salary and now you own comp- part of a company that you believe will end up being um, successful. But the other part of that is sometimes people graduate, they have families waiting on them, um, they have um loans waiting for them or whatever it is they have to live and you know deferring your compensation is not ideal at that point right mm-hmm. um, and so it just uh, it's all circumstantial and what you think is right for you at that moment in time
0: yeah that makes sense and we just talked a lot about like ways to save and types of savings and i guess now like what now i kind of want to like and i don't know if this is like a negative note but like tips because I think not everyone, I wish that everyone would go the route of saving that we just discussed, but even th- throughout this conversation, I've learned a lot, so thank you. But I also want to like say, what do you think are things that people should avoid as well? Like pitfalls that people fall into um, and kind of like your tips and like your cautions, yeah. I guess, too. I, I think,
1: I think one, one of the things um, that's important to me is and I'm just thinking about earlier what I said in terms of like when I started saving, I started saving after I stopped buying shoes mm-hmm. <clears throat> because I had a shoe addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm
0: also guilty but, of this,
1: but I don't know yeah. if it was to your extent. <laughs> but, but the thing is like, I realized like after a while, the reason I was buying shoes wasn't because I loved them. It was because I wanted to be able to impress other people, right? Mm-hmm. And so a common pitfall, I think in our age And so, but if shoes is something that you love and and it's your passion, um, you know, nothing beats spending money on your passion because life is short. Mm -hmm. Um, And if that's something that's important to you, then I'm not not saying anything bad about somebody who wants to buy shoes. Um, That was just like a personal decision for me. But I think a common theme in in our age group and and I see in people younger than us. And this actually goes for the rest of our lives because I see our parents doing it too, Mm -hmm. is that we spend a ton of money trying to impress other people. It's not things that we really want for ourselves or things that we're passionate about. Um, You know, you'll go to dinner and somebody will whip out their card and want to pay for everybody because uh, they think that by doing that, they're showing that they can afford to right Mm -hmm. but if that's you know if if spending all this money to impress other people is taking a hit on your own ability to save and set up for your financial future then i would reconsider um Mm -hmm. and focus on saving for yourself but i think that's one of the common pitfalls that i see is that we spend a ton of money and i think it's a societal thing it's not just us, right? It's an entire society thing where we try to spend a ton of money living outside of our means.
0: I also think to add on to that, I think a lot of minority groups also feel like they have to show people that they're doing well, because it may not always be seen as like, oh, it's obvious that someone that's a minority would be doing well. So, I think a lot of people try to compensate and make sure that they look wealthy as well. And I don't know if that's always the best route to go when you're doing it to impress somebody else.
1: Exactly, exactly. I mean, um, another common uh, pitfall that I see is, <laughs> uh, especially if you if you spend, you know, at least if you spend 30 seconds on Instagram, you'll see this, everybody's always constantly posting food. Um, and food should constitute uh, uh, some of your budget but i think sometimes we end up going overboard on in terms of eating out
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, and so uh, some tools i I would recommend um just so you can i mean i think a lot of banks do this now but if you download mint uh it's an app yeah you connect all your apps to it and it'll email you every i think saturday or monday and it'll say this is how you spent your money this week Mm -hmm. and if you see that like 98 percent of that was restaurants maybe you should reevaluate you know how you're spending your money (laughs) Um, another app is uh, Personal Capital, which lets you see not only your, your spending, but also your retirement and your savings and all the other accounts that you might have. Um, and so those are two apps that I recommend that I use. Um, and I just look at them at the end of the month and I see where did my money go? Um, sometimes, and this is a common pitfall, is that we see $5 here, $5 there, $10 here, $10 there. And we never think about how it adds up Mm -hmm. and we look at it at the end of the month and it's like, Oh crap, I spent $300 this month eating out when I could have spent, you know, a hundred dollars. I didn't need to eat out all those other times. Um, And so that's one of the things I think visualizing your money is important. Mm -hmm. Like seeing where it's going and being intentional about that. I think that's part of being a young adult. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say everyone should create a budget. Um, You should budget. um, But... That can be an arduous task sometimes. So um, if there's these apps that let you see how you spent money and then you can make adjustments based on how you want to spend money uh, next,
0: so. Yeah, I've actually been trying to exercise more mindfulness in my spending. And so uh, shout out to my friend Jess. She had talked to me about this Monday to Wednesday, no spending any money. And so that for on Sunday to purchase all my food, I'm gonna eat Monday to Wednesday if I need to get gas, if like anything needs to be purchased, I do it um, before or after. So that actually gives me time to think about if I want something list. So like, let's say on Monday and Tuesday, I'm like, oh, I need to buy something on Amazon because, um, you know, that's like something I think I need. But then maybe by Thursday, I'm like, actually I might not even need this thing on Amazon. Um, so I don't need to actually purchase this. So it gives me time to like think about do I really need it? And then it prevents me from impulse buys or impulse eating out. Um, so I felt like it has been really, really helpful because I started it last week and I realized that some of the things I wanted to buy during Monday to Wednesday, I actually didn't want to buy it anymore on Thursday.
1: Right, uh, <laughs> and I, I agree. I feel like we could do a whole series on on millennial finances, right?
0: Um, Yeah, We
1: we haven't even touched on credit cards, Um, you know, a few years ago, or not a few years ago, you know, in 2012, the big bubble was mortgages. Um, Right now, we're seeing uh, in the United States a large amount of credit card debt. It's it's credit card and car loan debts. Um, They're much smaller than mortgages, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say I'm here predicting a crash or anything, but... um, there is an uptick in the amount of loans that are being taken or not the amount of debt that is being taken out on credit cards and car loans so um credit cards is one budgeting is another (laughs) we could literally do an entire finance series but um yeah
0: i think this was a good like starter pack for millennial finances because i think we just got to get the information out there and then we can continue building on to You know like what are the best practices and like what are our thoughts on specific things like credit cards and i mean credit cards is super dangerous but also could be used in a way for you can get points and you know if you use it well you can use those points in your favor
1: right and then it's also protective right because Mm -hmm. if you're spending everything on a credit card or someone steals a credit card the bank can reverse those funds in a day. But if they steal your debit card and they just wiped you out, now you can't pay rent because the bank can't give you your money back for a few days, what are you going to do, right? Right. Um, and so it's always a, that's always a tricky thing. Um, but I'm also not going to sit here and say everyone should have a credit card, right? If you don't feel like you've managed your finances well before, mm-hmm. then going to get a credit card will only make things worse. <laughs> um, I think you do need to learn how to manage your money in a way that you're responsible once you do get a credit card but I would just like to end on like the importance of saving um I probably should have started with this but it's really hard to do anything in this country without saving money um and I think it's so so important that no matter like saving is a habit delayed gratification is a habit and I think I started with that Um, and I just want to reiterate it because you know a lot of times we fall into the trap that like I don't make enough money to save and Really, if you just teach yourself the habit of saving whatever little money that you can, and it's a consistent thing, right? Mm-hmm. This month, I'm going to put 5% away. And you consistently do that. By the time that you're starting to make good money, you can raise that to 10, 20, 15, 30%. Or now you've already learned the habit of saving with small money. So when you get big money, you, you know you've already mastered that habit. And so it's just... Um, It's just what do you call it a second nature to you right Mm -hmm. um it's not something that's hard you've learned to live on less to delay your gratification for later so it's really hard in this country to do anything when you don't have a savings um because you know and having the ability to save is also a blessing i don't want to sound ungrateful but um when you think about things such as like the the cycle of poverty and um a lot of the the increasing wealth gap and living paycheck to paycheck that gap is increasing because the people who can relate to us and come from our backgrounds we don't make enough to save right Mm -hmm. and so we don't learn those habits at an early age to a point like when we become adults we're so eager to have what we never had before that we just spend like crazy rather than working to sort of decrease that gap and i'm not going to say this is these are my own personal opinions these aren't facts but in my opinion i think that's what it is is that we didn't learn those habits so by the time we do end up making some decent money to where we can save and set up our futures we end up spending more than um saving so I can go on forever. But, uh, <laughs> well, I, this was my, great. My like, is, so.
0: I, yeah, and I feel like you made some really, really great points. And, you know, thank you so much for joining the podcast and sharing your knowledge. And um, I think this will be super helpful if other people have um, more questions about what they want to hear in the next episode. Definitely message me. And then, Khalid, um, hopefully you're down to join for part two.
1: Definitely, definitely. I'm always down. I'm always down to have a conversation with anybody. I'm, uh, I love, you know, spreading knowledge is why I want to be a professor. So if anyone wants to listen, I'm willing to talk.
0: <laughs> Ooh, how can they contact you?
1: Uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my email is k uh, k osman k o s m a n at u texas dot edu. Um, I'm always available. I'm on Instagram. It's uh, Khalid k h a l i d k and then osman. So just at Khalid K Osman. I'm on Twitter. Um, so I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. Oh, <laughs> li-
0: oh yeah, add him on LinkedIn. I'm sure it's also Khalid Osman.
1: Yeah, in Khalid the- Osman. If you look up Khalid Osman and the University of Texas. I'm, uh- um,
0: well, thank you for joining the podcast. It's been super insightful.